Good morning, church. I hope that uh, your Labor Day weekend has started off as just an absolute fun. And uh, this morning we want to continue that as we gather together and celebrate our incredible God. Amen. Uh, he has blessed our socks off. Amen? Yeah. All right. But some of those blessings sometimes are wrapped in pain and suffering. They just are. And if you've walked in this morning and that describes your heart, then we want to especially invite you this morning to join us in song. Many in this room I know are walking through a wilderness that some of us may have experienced, maybe not a one of us, but we have learned this, that maybe the last thing that you feel like doing this morning is the thing God needs for you to do because your future joy may actually hinge on it. Now, if you've come in this morning and your heart's full, we need for you to, to share the wealth and the, the, the joy that you have brought because there are others who need literally to feed off of that this morning, to be nourished by it. But I want to invite you all to respond to what David asks of us in Psalms chapter 96. Hear the word of the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord and praise His name. Every day tell how He saves us. Tell the nations of His glory. Tell all the people the miracles that He does. Because the Lord is great. He should be praised at all times. He should be honored more than all gods. Because all the gods of the nations are only idols. But the Lord, He is the one who made the heavens. The Lord has glory and majesty and power and beauty, especially, David says, in his house. Let's stand. I want to say this again. If you walked into this assembly today and you're facing something that is absolutely threatening life like you have never faced it before, maybe the dissolve of your family because of a divorce, a prognosis from a doctor that could mean life as you know it is coming to an end. The loss of a job that has been your identity and has primarily determined where you live and, and a lot of who you are is about to come to a conclusion. Regardless of who's to blame or what the circumstances are, there is a foe that you have never faced and it is standing right in front of you. And you are filled with both dread and doubt. I just want to encourage you, you do not stand alone. You don't. Now, I want to encourage you through the Word of God in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. They receive some news from a reliable source that a monstrous army is headed to their borders and they have every intention of destroying the nation of Israel, wiping them from the face of the earth. And King Jehoshaphat, who was king at the time, has every reason to believe there is, this is credible intelligence. And so his response is immediate. He calls for a fast throughout the entire land. He says, more than we need food, we need to talk to Father. And so he does. He invites all of the families of God to bring representatives to Jerusalem for a conference with God. And the writer of Chronicle tells us the people of God convene at the house of God and together they cry out to God. Men, wives, babies, children, everyone. And they say one thing. Help Please, please help. And a ragamuffin, like all of them, but called by God to be a prophet for the moment, comes and speaks a word for God. Here's what he says. Follow this with me on the screen. 
Listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle belongs to the Lord. It is not yours, but God's. Now tomorrow you march down against them, and they will be climbing up the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge of the desert in Jerul. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions and stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Now listen closely. These are his words, not just for them, but for you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow. Church, read the last line with me. And the Lord will be with you. They responded when they heard those words by literally putting themselves face down on the ground. Everyone gathered, king included. Then some folks started singing from the Levite families, the Kohathites and the Korahites, and they praised the Lord, the scripture says, with loud voices. And as you might imagine, as maybe already it's done for you, it filled them with hope of what tomorrow might look like. But God announces the how of how he's going to handle this tomorrow. (laughs) And it shocks me. Follow along with me very quickly. Verse 20. Early in the morning they left for the desert of Tekoa and they set out. And Jehoshaphat stood and said, listen to me. Judah and the people of Jerusalem, have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. Now after consulting with the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out ahead of the army saying... Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Verse 22, and as they began to sing in praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah. Read the last line with me. And they were defeated. (laughs) I got to tell you, most of the time when I am faced with a foe like I have never been faced with before in my life, my My knee-jerk reaction is not sing. (laughs) It's just not. It wasn't Israel's either. But our Father has invited us to see this morning that overcoming the things that threaten us will be by faith. Different acts of faith, different responses of faith, but by faith. And prayer and praise are two of His favorite acts of faith that He asks for His people to employ. Did you notice verse 20? who he puts on the front lines of this monumental battle, not archers, not chariots, singers. Singers. It's one of the reasons why we place up here at the front of our church singers to lead us into battle. And make no mistake about it, when we come to worship, we come to battle. We never leave the battle. And so while we're in here, the battle continues to rage. And part of our response is faith to believe that we have weapons that will absolutely destroy what the enemy is trying to do in us. And singing plays a huge part in that. It's not just filler for us to get us to the Lord's Supper. It's not just filler for us to get us to the sermon. 
It is one of the ways that we combat this enemy who's trying to disable us and dishonor him. And so we invite you to sing. We invite you to sing for all he's worth. Can you do that? We're going to sing one more song because we want to take this message and share it amongst one another and lift it up to God that truly the battle belongs to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I'm excited this morning. (laughs) And the church can tell. Um, Just thank you so very much for what we've been singing this morning and what we just read. That through the power of singing, life can be filled with something totally different. And we so want our lives to be filled with you. And your word just promised us, God, that we don't have to get drunk and inebriate our pain and our suffering. That we can bring that to you. And by singing, see it changed. That you come to be with us in a very special way. And I thank you so much, Father, for the word that you've just given us. And I pray, Father, that in this word, that you also, Father, will strengthen our hearts and our faith this morning to believe you truly can deliver us. Father, we join with Friendship Bible Church this morning and ask you to please be a part of their preaching, be a part of their singing and prayers. We pray that you also come to be with them as you have been with us this morning. We ask it together. The prayer that was just prayed a few moments ago for our children is true of us. That wherever we meet someone who is doing their best to lift up and honor your son Jesus, we would join them. That we would give them grace, Father, before that we would give them anything else. That we would believe that they are for us, not against us. Father, your word proclaims that. Help us to live it. For we ask this humbly in Jesus' name and everyone said, Amen. PDAs. If there's one thing that in this series of lessons that I think is fairly easy to get a handle on, that maybe you probably haven't quite thought about it just this way before, is that God, yes, he likes it when we go into our closet to pray. He makes that very, very clear. But please understand, he also loves public displays of affection, or what we flipped a little bit for this series, public displays of adoration. We've just demonstrated that that's true because there is power in praise And we love to do that when we come together as a family. We love having a chance, I think, to be able to express outside what we feel on the inside. And this morning we've been given a chance to do that now, but also in just a few moments, I want to let you know you're going to be given a chance to do it again, even in the midst of this message. Because there is really power in praise. And Lamont is one among millions that will tell you that singing is a large part of the reason <clears throat> excuse me, that she broke free from the darkness. In her book, Traveling Mercies, she tells about the interesting way that Jesus won her heart. She was hanging out one day at a flea market, she writes, in Marion City, California. She happened to be walking by a sad, ramshackle church building from which she said she heard the most remarkable music. She said, actually, it was glorious noise. At the time, she will tell you, she detested Christians. She could not bear to hear a sermon. But the music drew her in, and she returned for more in the following weeks. The singing, she writes, was furry and resonant. Never thought about singing being furry before, but for Anne it was. Furry and resonant, coming from everyone's heart. There was no sense of performance or judgment 
only that the music was breath and food. Something inside me that was stiff and rotting would feel soft and tender as they sang. Somehow the singing wore down all the boundaries and distinctions that had kept me so isolated from the world. And sitting there, sometimes standing there, singing with them, I was so shaky and sick, I felt like I might tip over. But I felt bigger than myself when I did. Like I was being taken care of, tricked into coming back to life. I love that. One Sunday in April of 1984, she goes on to write, I attended church again. I stayed for the sermon that day, which she said again, I found unimpressive. But the music was so mesmerizing. The last song was so deep and raw and pure that I could not escape it. It was as if the people were singing in between the notes, weeping and joyful all at the same time. And I felt like their voices or something like heaven was rocking me in its bosom, holding me like a scared kid. And I opened up to that feeling, and it washed over me. And then Anne writes, it was the music that pulled me in and split me wide open. And that day, I gave my life to Jesus. There's power in praise. I believe with all my heart some of the best sermons ever preached in this world have been sung, not spoken. Maybe in this building, for sure from this pulpit. The best sermons that I think we sing, we sing as a family because there's power in praise and God loves it. When, when our, our adoration of Him and our reverence of Him and our respect for Him goes public, so it shouldn't be a surprise that on page after page of God's story, we see that when we worship, God hopes that our worship will be verbal. We worship verbally. Look at Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15. Through Jesus, let us continually offer God a sacrifice of praise. For some of you this morning, that's exactly what it's been. You've not walked in here with a joyous heart. But maybe like Anne, the music has begun to work on those sad parts, those frustrated parts, those hurting parts. And maybe, just maybe, God's tricking you back into life. And that's why it's so important that when we come, we never know who's walking in those doors, and we come to offer a sacrifice of praise even when we don't feel like it. Because we never know who's standing right next to us, who so desperately needs to hear the fruit of our lips. And the Hebrew writer says, offering that praise continually. Make no mistake about it, worshipers are verbal worshipers. They are public worshipers. They declare out loud their worship. They let it leak out anything that we adore does. And not just occasionally. I think one of the key words there in Hebrews 13 is continually. You guys know Willie Nelson. And many of you know one of his famous songs. It was a song of romance to somebody he cared deeply for. Here's what he's saying. Maybe I didn't tell you as often as I should have. But you were always on my mind. <laughs> Ladies, does that work for you? <laughs> no. No, it doesn't work. And if you guys are using that as your modus operandi for your relationship with your woman, Dr. Phil would ask, how's that working for you? No way. They want to hear it. They want to see it. And so does God. Scripture teaches us out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth speaks. And so church, let me encourage you, let your mouth speak. Now, 
One person who doesn't like to hear you praise is Satan. The devil is a created being. He is a fallen angel, the Bible tells us, which means he does not have the ability to read your mind. He is not omniscient. So, just you thinking about God, that didn't bother him a bit. But the minute you start praising Jesus Christ, things happen. Let me show you this in the Bible. Not necessarily here this morning. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. But you come on Wednesday nights starting two weeks from now in a series that I'm entitling Fit to Fight, How to Be Involved in the Spiritual Warfare You Were Dropped Into. Please come on Wednesday nights, and I'll show you a little further, a little deeper, a little wider, how our public expression of the name of Jesus Christ has the power to defeat Satan. But he abhors that name because it has the power to banish him. Which is why often you feel a peace when you come to this place. It's not the architecture. It's not that cross that greets you when you come up out of the driveway. One of the things that happens in this place is we sing his name. We sing glory and honor to the Prince of Peace. And that's why some of you feel peace here like you don't experience it anywhere else. You want your car to be a place of peace? Let me encourage you. Speak the name of Jesus over that vehicle and you sing as often as you can in that vehicle. And you will make that place a place of peace. Do you want your workplace to be a more peaceful place? Get there early. Pray in that place the name of Jesus Christ. Sing in that place the name of Jesus Christ. James chapter 4 verses 7 and 8 has a powerful message God wants you to hear again this morning. Yell a loud no to the devil and watch him scamper. Say a quiet yes to God and he will be there in no time. Church, if we could only see what heaven sees. Whenever the name of Jesus Christ is spoken or sung publicly, I think it would shock us. And so your preacher is encouraging you. Whenever we stand to sing, don't just stand there. Even if you don't know the song, your singing out is power. Not just for someone standing next to you, but I'm telling you, for you. It's power for you. Don't be a bystander. Worship is a verb. We do it verbally. And so I want to encourage you, get in it and get with it. Every time that we stand to do it. When we ask for an amen, when I ask for that, or at the end of a prayer when we say amen, let me encourage you. This is a practice of the early church so much that it appears in the Bible three and four times. The amen. Look for it. The amen, especially in Paul's writings. Because whenever something was prayed or something was spoken and, and, and the preacher or the prayer person was seeing, wanting to know if the church felt the same, they would say amen. It means that's right. It means, yes, I agree. Amen? There you go. Worship is verbal. And you can do that in a church where every now and then you hear one over, over here, maybe once every 10 years. And I'm telling you, it's not the same. It's just not. You've been in those churches. Have you sensed a lot of power in those churches? Have you sensed a lot of life in those churches? No, because I've been a part of making them. Our worship is verbal. So when we say the amen, let's say the amen. When we sing, sing with all of your heart. For some of you, it will rival the beauty of an angel's voice. For others of you, it's a joyful noise. That's, that's about as close as we can get. But listen to me. God loves them both. And there's power, power in both. 
So sing, please. It is, it is so disheartening to stand at the back of the church building, listen to me, and see half of our church not singing. That breaks my heart. What do you think it does to God? It thrills Satan. I like to thrill God. That's why I come to worship. So worship Him verbally. Number two, we worship Him physically. Physically. Let me encourage you. Let your body express what your heart is feeling. Let your heart be awakened by your body. Why? Because God loves PDAs. He loves them. Look in His book. One of the ways that He loves public display of affection is clapping. Clapping in rhythm and clapping to give Him honor and glory. Let me show you some of His words. Psalms 98 verse 8. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Psalms Isaiah 55 and verse 12. And so you will go out with joy and be led out in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you. And all the trees and the fields will clap their hands. Psalms 47 and verse 1. Clap your hands, all you people. Not just trees, not just mountains, not just hills, but all of you people, all of creation, clap your hands and shout for joy. Somebody once asked me, Jimmy, why are you clapping in church? Isn't that a little bit disrespectful? And I said, there is no way I'm going to be outdone by a tree. (laughs) God loves it when the trees clap and the rivers clap. I think he would like it when his people clap. He loves it. When you worship Him physically. When you clap your hands and also look at this. When you lift your hands. Psalms 142 and verse 2. May the lifting of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. Psalm 63 and verse 3. Because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name I will lift up my hands. Here's Paul's encouragement to the men. In 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 8, Therefore I want men everywhere to pray, lifting holy hands without anger or disputing. Interesting. A lot of attention this morning in Scripture about men leading the way in prayer and in praise. Is that because only men are allowed to pray and to praise? No. But if they don't lead... The church won't follow. Guys, if you don't lead verbally in your worship, if you don't lead physically in your worship, the church isn't going to follow. Why would God ask that of men? To raise up holy hands to Him in prayer and in praise. I think because what we are so prone to do is to raise these like this. More so than we are to raise these like this. And I think the world would be a better place if this was our last resort. And this was our first response. Amen? Amen. I think it might make the world a different place. God loves PDAs. Throughout the Bible, we're encouraged to demonstrate our worship, to involve our body, bending our heads and our our knees and bowing those heads and bowing those knees, lifting up our faces, clapping our hands. All of that, the Scripture says, matters. Because sometimes our body can quicken our heart. Sometimes it just wakes it up. Smiling does that. Did you know that? It is really hard to do this and stay frumpy for long. 
Some of you were looking pretty frumpy till I started doing that. Isn't that amazing? And now you're doing it. Now, some of you were looking pretty good. Now you're not. Endorphins are released. Literally, you start to change physically when you just smile. Imagine what happens when other aspects of your body are involved in being grateful in the moment. Just smiling changes us, literally. There's something about my knees when they're bent and I'm on them. Before I even say a word, my heart starts to follow. I'm not the high one in this world. He is. I'm the low one. There's something about the raising of my hands that reminds me of how great he is and how much like a child I will always be. Before I even say a word, it changes my heart. Please. There's something about the body that can stir my heart, but then there's also something about the heart that causes my body to want to follow. Some of you have never allowed yourself to be involved in physical worship in a place like this because it's been written off as Jesus extremists do that. Am I right? Jesus extremists raise their hands. Jesus extremists clap. Jesus extremists say amen. In places, actually, it's been banned in our fellowship. There will be no raising of hands here. There will be no clapping here. Because it's divisive. Is that divisive or are our hearts divisive? Because the word of God says there is tremendous benefit in the clapping of hands and in the raising of hands. But we've banned it. I'll tell you why in just a few moments. I want you to know on behalf of this eldership, you have the freedom in this assembly to follow Scripture. You have the freedom in this assembly to allow your body to do what your lips are singing. And if while we're singing a song, it asks you to lift up holy hands, we invite you to lift up holy hands. If it invites you to get on your knees, get on your knees. It's a little tough in those seats, all right? But if you want to do that, please, if that helps you, worship your God, follow your heart, please do. Now, Let me be quick to say this. That's no mandate. That's no must. Nobody is saying that you have to raise your hands. Nobody is saying that you must get on your knees. But your preacher is saying, trust God that he knows worshipers better than you do. And he knows what you need in worship more than you do. And I just want to say this as we wrap up the series in 2013. If your desire truly is to become a a seeker, Sensitive worshiper. And by that I mean God is the one who's seeking our worship. If your desire is really to be a seeker-sensitive worshiper of God, please know that He desires our verbal worship. He desires our physical worship. And so, while these words of the Lord are on our hearts, we're going to invite you to do both verbally and physically what God asks us to do. If you've never allowed yourself the privilege of clapping in a sermon before and today's word gives you a little bit more of a sense of freedom to do that great if you've never allowed your hands to be lifted in praise as you've offered praise let me say this this is a safe place to just start and and, and if you're going to lift your hands don't worry about how high okay it's not about how high it's the fact that they are open not closed it's the fact that they're transparent and god honoring and god seeking Not worried about what other people are thinking. 
And so I want to invite you here in the midst of this lesson so that you might wake up again for the last part of it. Let's be seated. Worship has to be verbal. Worship has to be physical. But worship has to be non-judgmental. Has to be. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, Jesus says, don't judge. Or you will be judged. The measure that you use to judge others will be the measure that's used for you. And so I want to encourage you as we talk about this topic of worship, which can be a sensitive topic, is a sensitive topic. Please be careful when your eyes look around when you worship. Now, our eyes are supposed to be fixed on the King of Kings, but you know what? When we're worshiping corporately, we can't help but see what's around us. But when you do, even then, as we were singing, trying to sing with a little technical difficulty there in the song about lifting up our hands, uh, I hope you weren't looking to see who's lifting up theirs, just whether or not you needed to lift yours. And if you saw someone who wasn't, be careful what you think. It's not because they're less spiritual than someone else who does, and vice versa. No no way in the world you're ever going to lift up your hands, no matter what anyone says. That's all right. That's between you and God. But don't judge someone else who does. Be careful. Be graceful in your judgments about what other people are doing in their worship. Now, you're going to be asked to to make judgments with us as a leadership. And a judgment's not a bad thing. We make judgments about a thousand different things, about when to apply the brake and we stop, you know, how much uh, milk goes in the bowl over the cereal. We make all kinds of judgments all the time. And you know, when it comes to worship, this leadership wants to hear what your judgments are about what's effective, what's working, what, what frees our hearts to praise God even more. But we're going to ask you not to be judgmental. And there's a difference. It's one thing to say, I just don't, like certain songs at certain times. I just don't like them. That's a judgment. We'll never stop you from that. But when you say people who like those songs don't have any spiritual depth, now we've moved into judgmental. We really don't want to hear that. If someone says, you know, I'm just not a hand raiser. I'm never going to be one. I don't see the benefit. That's a judgment. We welcome that. But when you say those who raise their hands are just seeking attention for themselves, wow. That's judgmental. We're going to ask you to remember Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Don't judge, lest you be judged. We want to be a graceful family. We want to be a careful family. And you know what? That means sometimes you're going to be miserable. It happens in families, doesn't it? I had a family of four. One male, three females. I was miserable a lot. And they've been miserable a lot, they think. Because they had this male in the family that they had to kind of bend and mold and shape to do all kinds of stuff. Come and look at the movies that are at my house. There's a whole lot more Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks than Arnold Schwarzenegger. Are you with me? And that makes me miserable sometimes. Well, what movie do you want to watch? Well, I want to watch kind of a light romantic one tonight. I want to watch Tom Cruise crush somebody. Escape from somebody. Well, let's put that in a worship setting, okay? There are some of us here who were raised in a very rational, very left-brain church, and we're far from that. We're much more extroverted and and we're boisterous, and and we're we're family, though. And we're going to figure out how to way to to combine all of that so that our worship, point number two in our, our principles, 
facilitates maximum encouragement and edification. And that means, I think, a lot of times you're going to be happy with what we're doing as a leadership in worship, but sometimes you're going to be miserable. It's family. Endure it. Happy will come back around. That's just what family does. But don't judge. Don't be judgmental. Because then rules have to be made. And can I show you something in Scripture that just floored me as I was preparing this series of worship? Because I've heard part of this verse all my life. Matthew chapter 15, verse 8. These people honor me with their words, but their hearts are far from me. Raise your hand if you've heard that Scripture before. All right, thanks for getting physical here, all right? (laughs) These people worship me, honor me with their words, but their hearts are far from me because their worship is useless. The things they teach are nothing but human rules. Human rules kill worship. And we don't want to have those. We just don't. For freedom, Christ has set us free. To explore all kinds of ways that we can verbally and physically and non-judgmentally worship our King. And we're going to explore those here in this family. But, Paul goes on to say, yes, we've been free, but do not use that freedom as an excuse for selfishness. So please, let me encourage you, be careful as we move ahead as a church family in worship. So what does all this matter? Well, just in the seven weeks that we've looked at this, it seems like it matters a lot to God. But can I tell you something practically that just made my heart smile this week? I spend a lot of time in prayer and thought thinking, God, what does this family need next? And sometimes I'm afraid I miss it. I just miss it. Um, But this week, I got a little confirmation from God I want to share with you that I think he's saying we're tracking as a family. As we're talking about being verbal worshipers and physical worshipers, and especially this morning as we've concentrated on the power of praise to be able to destroy enemies that stand face to face with us. I get a phone call from Yvonne Sinclair. Haven't heard from Yvonne in six years. Six years. She's probably in her 70s. Her husband is Haskell Sinclair. Some of you may know him. He played football for ACU, was one of their coaches. Great, great man. Good friend of mine. Had a lot of cups of coffee and bacon and eggs at their house. But since they moved away from Ruidosa because Haskell wasn't doing very well physically, and had to be in a, uh, a nursing care facility and environment. I haven't seen or heard from her. Then I get a call this week. She says, Jimmy, how are you doing? I said, I'm doing great. I said, tell me about what's going on with Haskell. He said, he's not doing very well. He's in a constant care facility now. And he just doesn't say much. But he loves to hear me sing. I said, well, tell me about that. She said, well, I go in every day. And I sing him three or four songs, but I always end with, you are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. You'll never know, dear, how much I love you. But I'm asking you, God, please, take my sunshine away. Haskell says, he won't let me go home. And Yvonne says, because he's not done with you yet, sweetie. She said, I go every day. And I pass by a fellow on the other side of the room. And, you know, he's just in one of those positions some of you have seen in nursing homes. He lays in his bed, flat on his back, mouth agape, eyes forward. 
and he never moves. She said, I've been going for the last six months that he's been in full-time care. He's never moved once. And I was singing the other day, you are my sunshine, my only sunshine. When all of a sudden I heard some movement and I looked to my right and there he was standing with the curtain pulled. He said, I just want you to know I really love your singing. Thank you for coming. But thank you for singing. I got that call this week. What a coincidence. And God just winked at me and said, Sportsman, we're tracking. We're tracking. Please let them know that darkness flees when people sing His praises. Father in heaven, help us believe that. We want to be the kind of worshipers you seek out, not just tolerate. Here we are, Father, to worship you. To worship you. Receive our praise. Receive our hearts. Teach us to praise. Help us grow, not settle here, but to believe that there's more and greater ways in which we can grow in being worshipers that you seek. Thank you so very much, Father, for the word that continues to encourage us and move us and stretch us forward. Thank you so much for receiving our praise. Thank you for letting us know that it matters. And, Father, we pray that when we come into this place, that you quicken our hearts to be great worshipers. For our sakes, yes, but for those sakes of people who came and couldn't worship very well today, who came in just locked into a situation they didn't seem like they could move from. Help us to remember, Yvonne, the power of you are my sunshine. Father, we thank you so very much for being light into our lives. Please help us be light in others. In Jesus' name, and we all ask, amen. If you're here this morning and you want to become a part of this family who's learning how to be great worshipers, workers, yes, but worshipers first, we invite you to come and be a part of our family. If you've never said yes to Jesus Christ and something that you've heard this morning, maybe like Anne, has tricked you into life and you say, I want in on that. I want to be a follower. I don't want to just be a fan or a bystander. I want in on that. Please walk down here. We'll let you know exactly how you take your first baby steps into being a follower of Jesus Christ. But right now, let's stand. Let's worship.